quite a challenge for us with this 40 days of prayer that starts today. And hopefully you got some really great stuff in your small group and uh, that will motivate you to go on. Hopefully you'll get some good stuff here today as well and, and begin this process of seeing what God can do in that. Um, as Randy said, we, we gathered to pray in those small groups this morning in, in early service, thinking Mark's going to be in the hospital till Monday or Tuesday. And then while I'm preaching, my phone vibrates and it's Pam and uh, I didn't check it while I was preaching. But uh, I went down and, and it said, hey, doctor came by and said he has to run a couple tests and was going to let us go. And, uh, and so, like, hey, we got to share that. So now we pray again and we're going to pray that while we're having this, the doctor is going to come by and run the test and he'll leave the hospital while we're leaving church and that would be fantastic. Matter of fact, um, I did get a text from them just a minute ago. They are watching. So if you want to turn around and wave to Mark and Pam, they're right there watching on Facebook Live. We love you, Mark and Pam. And so uh, uh, that's, that's neat. Technology keeps us uh, together, even in, in tough circumstances and all that. So I'm really glad that, uh, that we get to do that and, and honored to get to do this. I, I tell you, though, if, if I was to create a Mount Rushmore of men in my life and, and who played these significant roles in mentoring me and developing me, the first person I'll put on there is my Uncle Charles, um, incredible man, uh, Vietnam vet, and, and was significant in my life. Uh, when my dad was sick and in a wheelchair, and he helped me learn how to do some dad things and would play catch with me in the yard. The second man that I would put on that Mount Rushmore would be Mark Westerfield. And uh, I, don't, I don't worship Mark, uh, hear me on that, but man, I respect and admire him. Uh, he has been so significant in the 24 years that we've gotten to serve here together, that I've gotten to serve with him, uh, and just putting up with me. I mean, he should get extra jewels in his crown just for putting up with me on staff for 24 years. But, uh, but he, he invested in me as a man, um, as a single knucklehead when I got here, and now I'm married and two kids, and he's modeled so much about what being a husband and a dad is about to me. And, and, and so I'm so appreciative of that, that, uh, that he would do that. And then the pulpit, that is, is, it's, it's a holy place, and, and God has called Mark to lead um, us and to shepherd us well. And, and I'm, I'm probably one of the most frustrating sheep he has, but, uh, but he has shepherded us so well. And, and it's an honor to step into this when, when Mark, I know, would much rather be here, uh, much rather delivering that word to you and, and doing all that. Um, and so that's, that's where uh, we are with all of this. And, and, and I'm hurting today, too. I mean, I, I, want, I want him here. I, I, I miss him when he's not. And I want to have that, that partnership and connection and relationship that we have. And I'm praying for him. But... Um, and Randy gave us a great update of kind of where he is physically in the hospital and the timing of different things. But, but like I said, having been on staff with him for almost 24 years, I feel like I can give you a little bit more insight to maybe where he is today, too. And, and uh, I'm not trying to, to assume that I can read his mind, but I've done a whole lot of life with him over the years. And I, and I think that today's scripture will give us some insight to that, too. So if you'll allow me just to pray over this, um, that's what we'll jump into. Uh, Heavenly Father, we... We are grateful for your word and how we can run to it every single day in every single situation. And you give us something. God, you don't hide it from us. We're not playing hide and seek with you. It's there if we will just jump in. And so I pray today that as we open up the scriptures and look at this chapter that, that man, we would just glean some great truth in it and hide it in our hearts. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to turn to Psalm 27, that's where we're going to be is Psalm 27. And this is a, a great psalm. It's, it's fantastic. King David wrote this psalm, and it gives us some insight on this. But I want to start by asking a question of us. If, if you could ask God for any one thing, like any one thing in the world, and you were guaranteed 100% that it was going to happen, that God was going to do it, He would give it to you, what would that one thing be? Like, hmm. 
There's a whole lot of things. When I, I was thinking about that question, there's many things that came to my mind. You know, uh, first I thought, okay, I want to be able to eat anything I want and be in the greatest shape in the world. That's what I want. I want Bluebell to be the healthiest thing on earth. That's what I, like, that was my first thought. Then I thought, well, maybe I want Duke to win the national championship, like, every single year. That's, like, how about that? That's a dynasty. We could do, but I thought, I thought, well, no, maybe I would be the first man to pull off the triple cow sow and win a gold medal in the Olympics. Like, how about I do that? You don't want to see that happen. That's like the sumo guy with the butterfly. That's, that would be me. You don't want to see that. Um, but I thought, okay, I want to never have to sit in traffic again. Like, that would be awesome, especially at 3406 when you're trying to turn right and they stop. And there's a lane, go in your lane. But I'll, I'll stop. Um, Lord, help me. But, uh, but I thought about that as, as, as a thing. And I realized everything I'm asking is so selfish. It's so temporary. And, and even if I don't ever have to sit in traffic, doesn't mean others won't. It doesn't, and, and so I thought, man, there's got to be a little more than that. I'm, I'm not a very deep person, I guess. I'm pretty selfish in that, as most of us may be. But we look at Psalm 27, and David answers that question. And I'm excited to kind of see what that is and, and, and all these things that happen. And, and David made his answer known in Psalm 27. And I believe, um, from, from my heart, that I believe this is a pretty accurate answer of how Mark would answer it, too. And, and, and I, that's why I think I can accurately depict his heart a little bit on that today. King David was a veteran of many battles and wars. He went through them physically, spiritually, emotionally. He went through these battles, as has Pastor Mark gone through a lot of battles. Um, David was, was very wise on how to defeat an enemy, whether it's a big giant Goliath or maybe something a little smaller. And, and Mark is very aware of how to beat the enemy in that. Uh, David would be called a, a, a heart like a warrior. And I believe that Mark has a warrior's heart. And so I think that what we're going to see today can be a pretty accurate description of our pastor and how we can pray for him and how we can come alongside him because we know him better in this. And we, we can be challenged in this, this warrior heart. What does a warrior's heart look like? Like, how do we describe that? And, and we would think Braveheart, or we think these movies like that. But when we dig into Scripture, I think it gives us a little bit different thing. And I want to share four ideas today. Just I'm going to hit four things that I believe tell us what a warrior's heart looks like. And so jump in with me to, to Psalm 27, because the very first thing that I think a warrior's heart is this, is it focuses on God and not fear. It focuses on God and not fear. Read the first three verses with me. Here we go. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. I mean, look at that right there. He, he boldly steps into some pretty severe situations. It's some tough circumstances that he's in, right? And yet his focus is on the Lord. His focus is on God in this. And when we focus on God, it tells us right there in the Scriptures that it is my enemies, my adversaries, that will stumble and fall. But when we take our eyes off of God and put them on our fears, all of a sudden we become the ones who stumble and fall. When we're too busy worried about our own steps, we're going to fall. But when we fix our eyes on Jesus, man, we have hope in that. And we, we watch our enemies fall. We watch the, those stumble and fall. 
And so he tells us right here that we've got to focus on God and not fear. And when we focus on fear, we end up stopping or even going backwards because we're afraid and it's something that might get us. And so we begin to back up when God has clearly told us to move forward. God is not a God of retreat. He says, yeah, flee youthful lust, but in the rest of it, you stand firm in your faith. In the full armor of God, there's no back plate. It's not about backing up. It's about standing firm. But we don't stand firm when we're looking at fear. We stand firm when we're focused on God. And that's an important thing to to grab on this. I will tell you this about fear. Fear is counting. It's counting on us forgetting who God is. Fear is counting on that. Because faith reminds us who God is. And we are reminded of who God is than we're reminded who we are in Christ. And greater is He that's in us than He that's in the world. And all of a sudden the confidence comes. And all of a sudden we're like, hey, I got this. Hey, this is okay. And so the fear runs away when we remember who God is. So fear is counting on us forgetting who God is. And look at Peter. We went, I want to walk on the water. He's like, come on, walk on the water. He steps out of the water. He's looking at Jesus. This is awesome and fantastic. All of a sudden, a wave hits his leg. He looks down. Ah, whoop. And he's under the water. And Jesus is like, ah, moron. And he pulls him up. Like, that's Greek, I think, or something. Um, but he says, he says, man, you have little faith. Get, get your eyes on me. Like, he, he brings it back that if we will just focus on God, fear can't win. It can't. Yet I look back in my life and even current circumstances, and I let fear creep in far too often. And the heart of a warrior focuses on God, not on fear. And, and we, can, we can grab that in there. Number, number two about the heart of a warrior is this. It makes the right choices. It makes the right choices. Look at verse 4. This is awesome. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after. Here's his one thing. Here's his answer to that question, right? One thing I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David makes the choice, my one thing. This is what I'm going to go after. This is it. Everything else has become secondary. Everything else we're going to put to the side. And I'm going to chase this one thing. It's going to be the thing that's most important to me. And he grabs this thing right here. And, and it's, it's to, to have this relationship. And we'll get into it. But, but don't forget the first three verses we read. This is not fun times for David. This isn't like, hey, I'm at the height of my kingdom and everything is awesome and I have everything going my way. No, what does he say in these things? He says uh, the, the, that he has evildoers who assail me to eat up his flesh, which is disgusting, and an army encamp around him, war rising against him. These are difficult situations that he's in, right? They're difficult situations like losing your mother-in-law, like having double knee replacement, like getting blood clots, like being stuck in a hospital when you'd rather be here preaching to the people that you love and proclaiming the truth of God's Word. See, there's similarities. We look at it and go, oh, those are Old Testament things. No, we have New Testament things that are happening that are just relatable because it's all the enemy coming against us. If you think it's not spiritual warfare, you're wrong. The enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy, and he'll do it any way that he can. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, he's coming after us. And here's David saying, in the midst of all that, in all of those things, there's one thing that I'm going to focus on right here. And, and, it's, and it's super interesting that, that he didn't ask for relief from his problems. Hey, those Philistines, could you just wipe them out? Hey, that person that treated me poorly, could you give them boils or something? You know, I, he's not asking for the problems to go away. Now, does that mean we should never ask for that? No, God wants to walk through our problems with us. 
many times those problems come so that we will walk closer with God. Don't discount that. Everything is used in God's economy. Nothing's wasted. It's all to point us to be more like Christ. I mean, that's the goal. But in the, in the midst of his problems that's here, we can pray and God will help us, this kind of stuff. But all he wants is this close, intimate relationship with God. I mean, look at the words that he says in there. He says, one thing I've asked of the Lord, I'm going to seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. Not visit, not have 50% attendance on Sunday, not check the box. I don't want to just show up at church. I want to dwell. I want to live all the days of my life. I want daily to be with God. This is an intimate relationship he has. And I don't want to just show up in your house and sit on the back row and not do anything. This is what he says. I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And when you're gazing at something, it's not a quick glance. It's not a two-minute YouTube video of what God may look like. It's, man, look at him. And the more we look at him, the more we want to see. And the more we see, the more we want to look at him. And now our eyes get stuck on him. And guess what? We're looking at God and not fear when that happens. He says, I just want to be in the house and I just want to look at him. I just want to be in awe of him. And there's so many other things that draw my attention. Man, I have to confess. And then he says, not only that, to gaze upon the beauty, but to inquire in his temple. I want to ask questions. Hey, I saw this. Explain more about this, God. Tell me a little bit more about you, God. Let me dig a little deeper with you, God. I'm going to ask questions. Can I tell you that we are encouraged to ask questions? It's not wrong to ask questions. God wants us to wrestle with stuff. That's how we get to know him better. I mean, think about it when you really want to get to know that girl or that guy and you go on a date. You don't spend the whole time just looking at each other. You ask questions. You want to know more about them. And the more you know about them, the more time you want to spend with them. Like, that's, that's it. Intimacy doesn't happen physical to physical. It happens voice to voice. That's the most intimate part. My intimacy, by definition, defines itself into me see. That's what intimacy is. It allows someone to see into who you are, not just what you are. And God invites us into this intimate relationship with him because he knows us inside and out. But he wants to hear our heart and he wants us to know him. And he wants us to be close and ask those questions and be intimate with him. So often we think that intimacy means sex. It doesn't. There's nothing more intimate than prayer. It's voice to voice, heart to heart. And that doesn't happen in the physical realm. It happens in the spiritual. Right where the battles are fighting. And so you understand here that he makes this, this choice that, that he's there and he recognizes that even though his heart is heavy, his mind is racing, he's got situations he needs to deal with. He wants more than nothing more than anything than to be intimate with the Father. And it's, it's a hard thing. I'm sure his mind was going crazy. Look at verse 7. It says, Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. Like he's going, God, are you listening? Like, do you really hear what's going on? Because there's some tough things happening out here. I don't want to waste my time with this because, man, life is heavy. Life is hard. I've got some things that are happening. I've got this enemies camped around me over here. And I've got these adversaries over here. And, and people want to overthrow me there. And all this stuff happening. Are you listening? God, can you hear me? I mean, have we ever said that ourselves? God, do you really hear what's going on? And wonder if he's listening? But I love what God said. God doesn't say this. God doesn't say, I'll solve your problems. Don't worry about it. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, just follow these ten steps, take this pill, and you'll be fine. But yet, that's what our culture says. He doesn't say, I have everything under control. Even though he does. 
That's not what his answer. His answer wasn't to reassure David. His answer wasn't to pat him on the hat and say, on the head and say, good little boy, I'll take care of it. You just go on and play, do your video games. That's not, that wasn't his answer to him. That wasn't how he responded in this. This is what God says in verse 8. The very first part, it says this. You have said, seek my face. A three-word answer that God gave him. Seek my face. That was it. That's the whole deal right there. Like, wah, could you give me the ten steps on how to do that? No. Seek my face. David was a warrior. David was a king. He was a leader. He understood what it meant to seek something out. As all of us do, when you want something bad enough, you seek it. You pursue it. He's saying, how bad do you want this? Seek my face. The answer is not a quick little pill. The answer isn't a pat on the back. The answer isn't, hey, I'll just make you feel better. The answer is, seek my face. So David has another choice to make, see? Because warrior hearts make the right choices. He said, I'm going to seek you. He goes, all right, seek my face. Here's all this problems going on. The end of verse 8 says this. David responds, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Seek my face. Well, can I get a second opinion? Um, is there another face that might be easier to find? Is there, is there another option on the, that? That wasn't his response at all. His immediate response is, your face, Lord, do I seek? Where do I go? Let's do this. Like, that's it? If that's what you're telling me, then that's what I want to do. He had an immediate response in a tough situation to say, all right, seek my face. All right, I'm going to seek it. Let's do it. With my whole heart, I'm going to seek you. With my heart, your face, do I seek? Knowing that it's going to be a journey, knowing it's going to take some time, knowing it's not just going to magically appear, but there's going to be a process that goes through this thing. And I'll tell you, so many times we, well, maybe me, I get this backwards. Um, we don't try and do things so we can be near to God. I'm going to repeat that. We don't try and do things so we can be near to God. You just need to know that God is near and then do things. And that seems like semantics or whatever, but there's so much truth that kicks me in the tail about that because I want to please God. I want to pursue God. I think I need to prove myself to God, but I'm still good enough and I'm still okay enough and I haven't sinned as much as that guy over there and, and all of these things that we compare ourselves. And it's not about that. It's not about that at all. It's not about trying to, to, to do these things and, 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 and having it backwards. We need to know that God is near. And he's not going to leave. He says he'll never leave us or forsake us. He never has. There's times we feel distance used because we turn our back, but he's still right there. He's not going anywhere. And even in the hard times, even in the difficult times, even in the challenging times, in the discouraging times, in the sad times, in all of the times we experience, he is there. He is near. And out of result of that, then we can do things because he's near. We don't try to do things to try to get near to him. It's, it's the relationship part of it that's there. I'll tell you this. Serving God should not be the basis of our relationship with Jesus. Serving God should not be the relationship, I mean, the basis of our relationship with Jesus. You're like, wait a minute, Alan, that's what he tells us to do. No, let me, let me explain it a little bit better to you this. Serving God should be the result of our relationship. It starts with relationship. It doesn't start with service. It's not about what we can do ever. It's about what He's already done. And because of what He's done on the cross, getting up from the dead, going to the prepared place for us, sitting at the right hand of God on our behalf, that's all. It's already been done. It's not our job to do. It's our job to be near. And then we serve as a result of the relationship. It's not the basis. It comes out of the relationship. 
Because you, you love Him so much, you can't wait to do more. It's relationship first every time, every day, in everything. He is a God of relationship. He doesn't want us to be religious because we'll never measure up. He wants to be in a relationship where He does the measuring. And He welcomes us with open arms in that. I, I, I don't know how many times I think I'm close to Jesus because I'm really busy serving Him. I'm doing all these great things for you, God. He goes, yeah, and I'm sitting over here missing you. Dang it. <laughs> that doesn't feel good. Just come be with me. Seek my face. Take some time. Third thing is this about a warrior's heart. It fights the right way. See, a warrior knows it's going to fight. A warrior knows that a fight is coming. And so it learns to fight the right way. A warrior's heart fights the right way. Look back at verses 5 and 6 and, and how this fight takes place and what the result of this fight is. We jump back to 5 and 6. Why David was so confident in this? Because in his mind he already knew God and he knew the result. So look at this, verse 5. It says, For he, this is God, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Man, that's good. Because look what, what God says he will do. He's going to hide, conceal, lift, lift me, lift my head. He's going to do these things for us. That's what's going to happen. And then David has a response out of that. See, God acted first. He knew who God was. He's seeking God's face. And when he seeks God's face, here's the things that happen. He's going to hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble, conceal me in the cover of his tent, lift me high on the rock, lift my head above my enemies. These are the things that come as a result of this intimate relationship. That's, that's what he's offering. And then David's response is this. He will offer sacrifices, shouts of joy. He will sing. He will make melody. These were his weapons of choice. And yet we put those weapons as last resorts when they are the best weapons we have. And, and David got this to know that he's, if he's going to fight the right way, bottom line, he's not going to fight. God's going to fight for him. But we're so arrogant, like, I've got to defend myself. I've got to do this. And we take up the weapons of this world, whether it's gossip or social media or some kind of physical weapon, and we take these things up and think that's going to help us win when all it does is divide. That's not what God's kingdom is about. And so here he says, what I'm going to do is offer sacrifices. I know it's going to cost me. I'm going to give shouts of joy unashamedly. I'm going to sing even though I have a terrible voice. And I'm going to make melody with someone else because they're going to carry it. That's what's going to happen in my life. And so he says, let's go worship. How many times in Scripture do we see that when a battle took place, it was the worship leaders that led out? Let's march around the walls of Jericho. Let's go into battle here. Lead with the trumpets. Lead with the singers. Brett is our greatest warrior on our staff to lead us in worship in this way. Don't think you're not fighting spiritual battles when you open your mouth and sing. It's happening. We've got to learn to fight the right way. A warrior's heart fights that way. And I've watched year after year as Mark bows in worship when it comes to hard times. He doesn't bow up. He doesn't rise up. He bows down. And a warrior understands that the greatest posture in battle is on your knees. And the greatest weapon you can ever handle is right here. This is our weapon. We hide it in our hearts so we don't sin against God. We need to learn how to rightly divide, correctly handle the Word of God. 
so that it can defeat the forces of the enemy. If you think you're fighting a physical battle, you're missing it. We don't wrestle as the world does. Our, our battles are in spiritual places against evil forces of this dark world. Don't, don't forget that. It may look like your spouse, your kid, your neighbor, the person at school, at work, whatever. But that's not who your enemy is. And so we learn to fight the right way. I, I, uh, my uncle, I told you about Uncle Charles, he used to tell me something when I was a kid. He would say this. Now, he was a Vietnam vet, so he's kind of crusty. But, um, but he, he would say, son, you know, he looked, son, you better never throw the first punch. But you better always throw the last one. That's what he told me. I'm like, all right. Like, I don't know how that happens, but okay. And, uh, but his point, well taken, is this. It's not our job to initiate, but it is our job to respond when the enemy comes and we pull out and get the last punch. We remind him of what Jesus did on the cross and he was defeated. That punch wins every time. Not your goodness, not your ability to speak, not your ability to sing, not how great you are, but how great our God is. And that's the weapons that we fight with. That's how we fight the right way. And David got it, that intimacy with the Father was the only thing that was necessary, even in the hardest of times. And so I have to ask, as I ask myself, and if I have to wrestle with it, then I'm going to make you wrestle with it too, where are you right now? Where are you? I mean, we know where Mark is physically. He's in the hospital. And and if we focus on that, it can be kind of a bummer, to be honest with you. But I also know where Mark's heart is right now. I know it's seeking the face of God. It's choosing the right thing, intimacy with his Father. It's worshiping and praying probably for you and me right now because he's that selfless. I'm so glad we got a chance to pray for him. See, because he has the heart of a warrior. And it's easy to follow that man who has the heart of a warrior because I know i got work to do on mine. He would tell you he has work to do on his, but man, I love his warrior heart. And I love that he's sitting in that hospital with a warrior's heart. Are you near the Father? Are you waiting for Him to get near to you? Because He's there. You just need to know it. Are you seeking His face? Are you ready to take some time to be with Him this week? Because we're starting this 40 days of prayer challenge. And it's a daily thing. It's not 40 Sundays. It's 40 days of prayer. And it's not someone else praying for you. It's you praying. I don't don't really know how to pray. Well, this is a great thing. You can learn. Well, I'm not really good at it. I don't know what I'm doing. That's awesome. Well, I'll never be good, so I'll just quit trying. That's dumb. You didn't do that as a baby when you couldn't walk. You kept trying, and every one of you, you're up on two feet. Amazing. If we will just do it, we'll be able to get better at it. It's not about being perfect. It's about being obedient. It's about following in that. So are you ready to make time for him this week, knowing that you're busy and you're probably going to get busier? Because if you commit to this and say, you know what, I'm going to spend 40 days in prayer and I'm going to do this, then the enemy's going to say, I'm going to make you busy. You're going to have something in conflict at home. You're going to have something at work. Your something's going to go wrong here. And you're going to say, well, I don't have time to pray anymore. I would say, you don't have time not to pray anymore. And so are you going to make that time? Because only one thing is necessary. So you might need to hit the pause button or maybe the stop button. Turn off the phone the computer, the TV, the things that distract, to put it in the other room. Tell everyone you have an appointment because you do. Open your Bible. Read. Journal. Pray. Seek His face. It's not rocket science. He's not asking us to figure out some solution to a giant problem. He's saying, I am your answer. Come seek it. I'm here. 
The last thing about a warrior's heart is this. It receives a great reward. It receives a great reward. Look at the very end, the last two verses, 13 and 14. David says, I believe, I believe. I don't think, I don't assume, I don't hope, I believe. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord. God is good. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose, right? Quit defining good. It's not your job. God is good. We trust Him. Then anything that happens will be for our good. And God knows what our good is better than we know what our good is. So he says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord, even in these trials, even with enemies here and attackers there and all this stuff happening. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, like in the land of living. And then he says this, wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. He is near. He's not coming someday. He's here. He's coming back someday to get us. But he's here. He is with us. And I believe that this is coming. So that the warrior's heart gets a great reward in this happening. We get to see the goodness of God. And we proclaim that it's good. Even when the world says maybe it's bad. Or it's not fair. Or it's not right. Or it doesn't make sense. It's good if it comes from God. And I can trust that and believe that. So are you ready to do that for the next 40 days? Are we ready to take this journey together, knowing that we're going to hack the devil off, knowing that it's going to be difficult at times? But I tell you what, we've got a warrior's heart leading us from a hospital bed right now. And he's not asking us to do something he's not willing to do himself. And I'd say we got it better than him right now. Sorry, Mark, I love you. But I want to lock arms with that warrior's heart. And I want my warrior heart to grow. And I want your warrior heart to grow. And I want to see what God can do in 40 days of prayer. So if you allow me to pray, we're going to give a time to respond.